This is the official Caps Church Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I'm back with you for another Monday episode. If you're an OG here, you know that every Monday we talk league news and a week in review for the Washington Capitals, and then Thursday I'll usually have an... Uh, a uh, interview, or I'll just pontificate drunkenly to you. I hope you liked the last Thursdays. I haven't been uh, taken off the network yet, so I guess I didn't uh, do a good enough job. But this episode, you know, obviously we've got a lot of league news, some crazy stuff happening around the league, along with a uh, four-game week. So let's just pop some tabs and get right into it. One, two, three. All right, so... Kind of like delving into some light. I mean, obviously not light for the person involved news, but uh, uh, Robin Leonard. Like, okay, every season there's some weird shit shit show story of of a player. I feel like last year it was like Evander Kane. This year it happens to be Robin Leonard, who unfortunately is having to file for bankruptcy for not paying debts. Include like it's like fifty million. It's a lot millions unfathomable amount of money for us normal shitbirds, but <clears throat> like over a million dollars spent on rare snakes. What? Rare snakes. Yeah. So Robin Leonard, big snake guy, <laughs> I guess. Um, you know, it's, it's fucked up because like, I can't help but laugh at these rich athletes who, you know, end up filing for bankruptcy and, and me being a poor piece of shit is just like this, like a plebeian really. It, like, how do you get into that much trouble and, and things like that? Um, but at the same time, I've never had that amount of money to like piss away. Um, so I can't really judge. I'm just, you know, again, being poor and judging from my little poor corner of the earth over here. Um, but I don't know, man, it's, it's just, uh, it's and not only that, like, it's crazy to see how much debt that they can pile up and that I could definitely understand, even though they are millionaires, they're still like in over their heads, millions over their, uh, career earnings, which seems to be just like probably people around them just like fuckheads about it and not good advice and things like that, bad investments, shit like that. But like, like, you know, for instance, $1.2 million in rare snakes, probably not a great investment. You know, that's not something that Fidelity's packing into the old 401k. Um, but Hey, you know what, if it makes you happy, you know, I kind of hope that, uh, obviously Robin Leonard has been a really great, com- uh, proponent for mental health and, and, you know, he's not a bad dude by any means. I, I do feel bad for him. Um, but at the same time, like, I, and at the same time, I really hope that he kind of gets uh, gets through it and um, either continues to play or, or whatever needs to be done to uh, to remedy this situation. So weird news, man. Crazy stuff um, <clears throat> and really unfortunate, honestly. Some better news. Um, Stamkos hits 500 goals. You know, <laughs> Steven Stamkos came into the league, you know, a few years after Ovechkin 
they were like, oh, Vizera's done. There's, you know, Steve Stamkos, he's going to be the guy. You know, Ovi's washed, you know, shit like that. And, you know, Stamkos has had a little bit more team success, especially as of late with the B2B cups. But uh, only 500 goals and only 500 goals, right, in his in his illustrious career. I mean, this guy's a Hall of Famer, shoe-in, first ballot, going to be automatic. Um, much like Ovechkin is, but at the same time, I mean, you look at these goal differentials and you're like, man, this is a guy that when he broke into the league, people thought was gonna, gonna basically sunset Alexander's Ovechkin dominance. And he didn't, um, Steven Stamkos though has a ton to be proud of. Don't get me wrong. He's obviously a stud an incredibly gifted goal scorer. And honestly, there's not even 50 guys in the, in the entire history of the league who's, scored 500 goals so he's in a very exclusive group congratulations to him man i mean um you look at all the injury woes that he's come through uh how he is still holding the sea in tampa bay and just what he's had to battle back from uh you know i remember clearly i mean it's nightmare fuel watching his leg snap as the shin pad of his of his leg hits the goal post and you can see his leg buckle uh, you know, the, the lower part of his leg on the other side of his calf. Uh, coming back from that, and you know, he's kind of been ailed with injuries throughout his career. So good for him, man. Congratulations to Steve Stamkos. A little bit of shittier news. Ivan Provorov didn't take place in warm-ups for Pride Night in Philly because of religious purposes. Total shit show drama ensued, uh, as you could imagine. I saw a clip from Snow the Goalie, a good flyers pod on, on the Crossing Broad uh, website. And uh, Chris Therian was a guest who basically said this is like unneeded drama from Provorov, who should just like shut the fuck up, swallow your pride, get out there just to be there for the guys next to him. Like, you know, obviously the organization went through extensive measures to create this event. All the other boys are, you know, suiting up, whether they, you know, they haven't been publicly, who knows if they actually believe in, in the cause or not, but you know, it's just like any other cause they're out there with, for warmies. I mean, it's, it's 15 fucking minutes, go out, get your skating, concentrate on the game. Instead, he made a fucking sideshow with all of this stuff. Um, you know, it, it definitely comes off. The, the optics are terrible. It comes off with very bigoted stance. And then the cop out is kind of religion, at least from my point of view, you know, or just, but overall, it just doesn't come off as very tolerant. Um, you know, not to say, not to indict religion or, or religious vibes and, and kind of stances, but I don't think that like tolerance is always associated with really any religion anyways. So yeah, I mean, it just seems like a bit of a cop out there. Oh, my religion told me not to. And, and, you know, Obviously, there's arguments from both sides, right? People are like, well, it's his right. And then people or other people are like, well, it's just a, a shitbag move. And honestly, both of those things can be right at the same time. Uh, not only, not one thing is ever just like the divine truth, if you will, of the universe. So we should keep that in mind. Um, but I definitely think that the overall optics of this makes inclusion look so far away, unfortunately. It's just, it's pretty tough. Uh, bounce for the for the league for the Flyers and then of course you know uh, the players in the room are, and Darian talks about this 
the the players in the room have to answer the 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 organization has to answer the NHL has to answer and literally it's because you know one guy didn't just fucking nut up and put the fucking jersey on tape his stick and go out for warmies um yeah i don't know i've never been in that position so i wouldn't know how i would react obviously i don't i i support people who are um, all people like, I don't, I just, that's not really on my radar as far as like what I actually care about in the world. So like, you know, you, you don't fuck whoever you want, like, you know, just have fun and do it safely. Don't hurt anybody else. And to me, I think that's good. Uh, but you know, very polarizing subject, obviously Provorov thinks he's in the right coaches back in him has come and said that I just, um, yeah, really just kind of, uh, Unneeded drama, I think. So, we'll leave it at that. Uh, some bad news as well. <clears throat> some more bad news, if you will. Barbecue sauce aficionado, NHL analyst, and head coach Bruce Boudreaux. Done dirty by poverty franchise Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks fired Boudreaux on the 22nd. The, 22nd. the Nucks have lost the last 10. They've blown some pretty... Pretty handily, uh, some some pretty heavy leads. Uh, bullshit drama ensued in November from turd GM Jen Rutherford, turned president of Hockey Ops, who's won a cup with Carolina and was gifted back-to-back ones in Pittsburgh by the league. And November, Slip and Jimmy really didn't exactly have incredible things to say about the team, but it seemed his ire was mostly directed at the coaching staff. And, you know, obviously that responsibility falls directly on the head of, of the head coach, Bruce Boudreaux. This seemed to be like a, a pretty doomed relationship from the start, to be completely honest, when it comes to the the way that Bruce was brought into the, the organization. He was actually kind of hired, like forced hired by the ownership and then Rutherford and then not by Alvin, uh, who is Rutherford's, you know, little henchman GM. So really kind of a, a shitty bounce and, and poorly managed change up for the Canucks. Gabby will be replaced by illegal gambling ring aficionado and ex-cap for a season, Rick Tockett, who sports a losing record as a head coach and has missed the playoffs five out of six seasons as head coach as his in his head coach tenure in the NHL. Disclaimer though, many of those seasons were with Zona and he did get them into the playoffs for a first round bow out in 2020. Adam Foote and ex-cap Sergey Sergey Gonchar will also be joining the coaching staff as Trent Cole is out on his ass as well. I I don't think Tockett's a great coach. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I really don't. Um, he's a fucking trash analyst. Let's just be honest there. Um, you know, I under I incredible player, illustrious career, one with the Penguins, uh, one year on the back-to-back, the second half of the back-to-back. He's obviously, you know, he's one of those, you know, Hard-nosed wingers, power forward type guys, really, you know, he was a good good player. Um, but I look at him as like a light version of Tortorella. He's a guy who will put structure in and play a defensive system, but that's not exactly one that fits the bill for the Canucks. And I don't, you know, you can argue like the running gun kind of more offensively powered system is not something that is an effective uh, thing in the NHL, but... <laughs> Unfortunately, the the Canucks, the Vancouver Canucks have, have made their bed there. They've they've that's the personnel that they have. They're more of an offensively talented team, 
and they need to have a coach that's going to appreciate their creativity there. Um, all hockey players, all can get defensively better. I mean, that's just, and honestly, I, I kind of look at it like the coach is supposed to do that, right? Put in systems, make, make the team defensively better. I mean, it's a great, uh, you know, juxtaposition to, uh, Lavi. I mean, think about it. Lavulette throughout his whole career has never been touted as like an offensively master, offensive mastermind. He puts in systems. He likes high volume shots. He likes to play low risk offense. And then he does, you know, throughout his years, he's definitely um, loosened the reins on studs. Now, <clears throat> we talked to Stefan Brenner, uh, what, two years ago, maybe a year ago when Laviolette was, uh, or no, three probably now, when Lavi was actually first hired by the Washington Capitals. And um, he was like, you know, Laviolette was always like that guy who would go out and have a beer with the boys. He wasn't afraid to interact and be kind of a player's guy. But at the same time, when it came to hockey, everybody knew that he was the boss. I'm not sure that that's like a thing that either Gabby nor Taki really have. Uh, but Laviolette came in and put in a system. And then Brunner was like, look, no coach is going to come into a NHL locker room and blow these guys' minds with some sort of like crazy off the wall scheme that they haven't played before or that they don't know about. These guys are just as good and know just, uh, just as good hockey minds as anyone else in the world. And the coach is just kind of the guy that's, that's ringleading the circus. Um, now, to that point, I mean, it, and, and I also believe that hockey is, is, and I've said this before, a player-driven sport. You know, the coach can do everything that, that right, and the players can still shit the bet. We, we look at, we've seen this multiple years in a row with the Washington Capitals. It just happens, man. I mean, uh, you have a lot of big personalities in a room, and honestly, a coach's, a head coach's main job is to manage those personalities, right? He's he's almost babysitting all of these man children with these crazy personalities in in a room. Um, and honestly, when it comes down to like Lavi's position, he probably did have a meeting, and Brunera was talking about this. He was like, "Yo, you know, the Ovi, what can, what are you going to give me defense on the defensive side of the puck? Like, please, like, I'm, it's you are, you know." You are a veteran in this league. You have over a decade of experience in this league. You are almost two decades. And, you know, like, what what can I expect from you? And then it's the coach's job to put him in a position to succeed based on deployment. Same with Kuznetsov. Same with probably all of the studs on on the Washington Capitals squad. So Tockett's, I guess, going to take that approach. I mean, it's really the only approach that you can take to be successful. Um, but... You know, so back to the the Canucks. I just don't think that Tockett's like the right fit. Uh, he will do the things I said: structure, defense, hound on him. Uh, though it doesn't fit like the roster makeup for the Canucks. But hey, if you have a hammer, a square peg will fit in a round hole all day, I guess. You know, it's it's and and then looking back at this, it's it's a typical hire my friend situation too. Like Rutherford, who's hockey president in in Vancouver uh knows Tockett knows Gaunch you know Adam Foote obviously who doesn't know him um but it's it's present everywhere in the world and definitely within the small NHL community the problem is the, the Canucks have no plan they 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 
they changed the figurehead since it's easiest to do once President of Hockey Ops has a bug in his ass. That's what this looks like to me. So do I expect Rick Tockett to come in and have the success that Gabby did uh, from last season that was the, that got the Canucks within two points of the playoffs and had a stellar last half of the season? I don't. I really don't. Um, and I think the boys in the room said that they, you know, I think they echo that. They really felt that they'd let Bruce down. You know, Bruce Boudreaux is a guy who knows how to manage players. He's very much considered an offensive players coach. Uh, it's a, he. Bruce Boudreaux is a guy who players like and they like playing with, playing for, and they like that he lets them run with their creativity and appreciates more of the things that probably were smashed down into a little ball and made to be stone away deep inside that creativity and that uh, offensive prowess that a lot of these players have in the NHL, but you know, nope, you got to back check. You got to four check. You got to, you got to play good positionally. And that's the only thing that you do. And then from that um, offense will come. Honestly, I think that that what I just described, that type of defensive system is, is a easy success route in the NHL. It's much harder to try to, you know, rely on offense and we've seen it as caps fans for years in the past it's it's tough um but you know at the same time i think the canucks are probably you know every from all, from the accounts there the players feel like they've let bruce down they feel that they've let themselves down they've obviously not been able to finish games and and get the dub and so this is i guess a result of of that the Canucks fans did give Bruce, there it is, chance as the writing was on the wall on the last game uh, against Edmonton where they, they dropped. Um, and, and you know, Gabby being Gabby, he teared up in front of thousands. He went down the tunnel. I look at Bruce Boudreaux and, and I think what a totally genuine guy, to be completely honest. I mean, this is always when he was in D.C., he was a guy that was fiery. He wore his emotions on his sleeve and he told it like like it is. Uh, he worked with he, he was. The, he was 100% a player's coach. Then he is still. Um, and when I say player's coach, I mean, he's a guy that like wants to know about the players. He's not some guy like Herb Brooks, who's like a, you know, lead from the top and I am God and you are going to do this and there is no other alternative. And I'm going to be hard as shit on you and, and, you know, more of a bad cock, I guess, kind of, kind of style. So... <clears throat> I don't know. I guess Tockett's going to come in and try to be the middle there. But I also think about Bruce Rudrow, and he's like, he's a guy that supports his men. And that's, I think, what the players really resonates with with him for. He tries to keep the chatter out of the locker room, like all the fucking, you know, white noise. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, some of my favorite times with Brudrow is like when we give a bad goal and he just like, you know, there's a gif out there where he just yells, fuck, you can tell. And he's always, you know, I mean, beat red face, yelling at the refs, giving it to him. <laughs> you can't ask for more. I mean, you know, you want to talk about old time hockey. That's really it right there. Um, and, uh, you know, the unfortunate part though, is that is, is Bruce Brudrow 67, 68. He may not get another job in the NHL, even though he's one of the most like, like, uh, ratio wise, he's like one of the most winning coaches in all of NHL history. I mean, he's a, he's an elite coach numbers wise. I mean, he wins games for you. Um, so, 
and a lot of that was probably padded by just his incredible regular season performance with the Washington Capitals. But uh, still, I mean, he's carved out an incredible career, really good career. Uh, and he's been in hockey for almost 50 years. So love him. I mean, I'll never forget. I think <laughs> for people who didn't play hockey, who've never played hockey, um, and just don't know what goes on inside a hockey locker room, when they rode to the Winter Classic in the first Winter Classic the Washington Capitals played in Pittsburgh came out, and Bruce Boudreaux comes into the locker room, I mean, iconic moment, he's got the barbecue stain on his fucking shirt during his one-on-ones, comes into the locker room, and he's like, I've never seen a fucking group of fucking guys who feel so goddamn fucking sorry for themselves, just an insane tirade of, of expl- expletives and and just trying to get the guys in gear. Uh, you know, if you got it, if you if you want it, you got to go out and fucking want it. You know, half of it made sense. It was really just kind of an ear beating. Um, but at the same time, it was come from Bruce Boudreaux. <laughs> so it was also hilarious. I mean, I loved it. Uh, good stuff. And so... Good luck to Bruce Boudreaux. Honestly, I, selfishly, if he doesn't get another job, I hope that he does more analyst stuff. I love to listen to this guy talk, and he's just such a goofy guy and just a very genuine guy. I think that he'd fit in really well with the analyst team. Imagine this. Alan May, Alexa Lanistoy, you know, being meant there. Uh, I mean, I don't... Brent Johnson was a penguin, so, you know, he can, and I get he played a lot of years with the Caps, but, like, you know, you can give or take Brent Johnson. Replace him with Carl Alsner, and then add Gabby, and then obviously Al Koken, he's the man. I like him, too. So, imagine that team <laughs> on on Caps game nights. Uh, you've got, and obviously, uh, um, Locker and Ben and Adi, like, they're, they're untouchable, right? So, they're going to give you that, but, like, I don't know, put Carl Alsner in between the boards or in between the penalty boxes on ice at home games. I'd love to see that Gabby in the studio. That would be a really dynamic and fun uh, analyst squad to be watching, to be completely honest. Um, Moving on, though, Boston Bruins are a fucking problem, folks. Dickbag Bruce Cassidy was holding them back because he's a fraud, obviously, and they're currently owning the NHL. And on a five-game winning streak. And when I say owning the NHL, they are head and shoulders above everybody else. They're first in the league. It's not even close. 12 points above the next best team, the Carolina Hurricanes. They've lost a total, total, they've lost a total of nine games. Four of which are in overtime. Five, five, one-hand count, five regulation losses, a little bit past the halfway mark of the season. And four of the losses that they had, they gained one point from. And then here is, so that's wild, right? But we've seen that before. That's uh, That happens, right? You know, teams go out to a lead. The Washington Capitals have been there, been, you know, 15, 20 points ahead of the of the league um, when it comes to locking it down. But at this rate, the Boston Bruins may clinch a playoff spot with 20 games left in the season. Um, they're an 81 plus 81 goal differential and the next highest. And this is, that's the scariest part is that not only are they winning, they're winning dominantly and they're a 81 goal plus 81 goal differential. And the next highest is Dallas 
who has stud Jason Robertson. Love him. Um, but Dallas has a plus 43 as of Sunday night goal differential. Like they're doubling up the second best goal differential team in the league. They're head and shoulders in points and performance above the New Jersey Devils, who are second in the league. Uh, you know, we thought the Colorado Avalanche were good. By the time game 60 comes up, if the Bruins keep this pace, they could have a plus triple digit goal differential and lock in a spot for the playoffs. Let that sink in. That's historic. It's crazy. Maybe one of the best seasons that's ever, 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 ever happened in the NHL. Got some injury reports. Uh, Patches, unfortunately, came back for, you know, the week, week and a half, two weeks. Took a fall on the power play without contact. There's nobody around him, and it looked bad. Uh, he was coming off an Achilles heel injury, and he was really favoring that, that right foot. And, you know, he basically put it up in the air, fell down, um, had to get helped off the ice. Not good. Uh, you know, the Achilles tendon, if you've ever seen that movie Hostel, uh, the Achilles tendon is obviously incredibly important. Uh, you can't walk without it. So uh, that's uh, a big deal. I think, uh, I, I hope in the best, obviously, is a big part of the, that Carolina team. Who wouldn't want Max Pack ready? Uh, but tough it doesn't it doesn't look good for him uh and i'll keep you updated as to you know how that how that goes down there's also chat uh chatter of a nagging injury to austin matthews he's had some maintenance days uh with when it comes to games but he did score on his return so he may be back up and running speaking of running though the nfl playoff picture is locked in and my go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl to kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can bet can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free backup to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? Download DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Capstans, we've got a, a lot to talk about. There's a four-game week that the Capitals did better than I thought. Um, so, you know, let's get into the Washington wraparound. All right. So, on the 16th, we're in Long Island at UBS Arena. What a cool-looking building, by the way. It really reminded me of the Washington Capitals Arena, the way that it's just like a city block. The architecture from the outside looks really cool. Interesting stuff. I didn't realize that that's what it looked like, um, and I was pretty uh, pretty siced about it in that sense. This is a 4-3 overtime win. Lars Eller was scratched. All you Lars Eller haters, you're probably just nutting so hard to that. So good job for you. Pat yourselves on the back. Um, in the first, though, I mean, with Eller scratched, even with Eller scratched, just a fucking abysmal period. Bad. Uh, just fucking dog the entire period. Embarrassing. Two goals by the New York Islanders resulted in such just a lame dick showing. Zero sense of urgency. Just loose butthole in our own zone. Odd man breaks. We saw it all. Bad. 
Caps were literally limp the entire first period. In the second period, the poor play continued, and, and so did the bad luck. Uh, for about five minutes, as the Islanders potted their third goal, uh, and it was it was so bad. I was I was texting TJ from uh, the Islanders Never Say Die podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, and he was like, "Dude, I'm tr- I need the fucking New York Islanders to tank right now so that we can get a shot at Bedard or at least pick high. I'm in full tank mode. Um, Lou Lamoureux is an idiot." And I was like, dude, these are the games that fuel Lou Lamarillo's fantasies about the New York Islanders winning a cup. Uh, so that was the vibe up to about five minutes into the second until Ovi lit up, absolutely lit up John Gabriel Peugeot so hard. And it was a clean body to body check, just a, a bit. And, and <laughs> I love the commentary by Locker on this one. He's like, oh, you look at Ovi. He's going into the boards against John Gabriel, Joe, a smaller man. <laughs> just calls him a small, just has to put that in there. Um, the hit was not to the head. TJ, again, texting him. He's like, he's a con- he's concussed. I was like, no way. He's going out. He's in- They're going to put him in the dark room just to check. But that was a hit. Uh, I've been victim to that for sure. A hit that you just, your body gets crunched so fucking hard by just a beast of a person that it literally knocks your wind out so hard that you fall down and you can't breathe and you start to lose consciousness. That was what happened. And that's why uh, uh, Peugeot was, was up on his feet and wobbly. So glad he's okay. And OV later on in the game, you know, checks on him and he's like, yo, what's up? And they're both kind of smiles, all smiles, all way, all the way. But, uh, you know, anyone who's who I think that they all respect OV's body there and, and know that that was just a fucking heavy hit. Brutal, clean, amazing. Love it. Minutes later, though, Garnet Hathaway had an incredible diving play off of an OV rebound that went five hole. Just a hardworking, never say die. Uh, uh, kind of action there. I, I love I love the jam. Just a little poke on his back, scores the goal. That's what we needed, really. You know, the hit, then, you know, what does that really mean? You know, the boys are playing a little bit with a little bit more sense of urgency, and we pot a goal. And before the period ends, St. Thomas cashed in on his first goal of the season off of Backstrom feed. Beautiful pass, quick finish. That's the goal that I was talking about uh, as far as what, Tom Wilson needs to do to to get back on his game. And honestly, you know, we'll talk about it later, but he didn't stop. Uh, he just needed to get that, get off the schneid, pot a goal, get some points on the board, and feel that 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 success again and uh, and get in uh, get in the groove. In the third, the Caps are fully tilting the ice in their favor, doing their best to penetrate the middle and finding some success doing so. It all cashed in when Osh... Babe had an incredible high tip from Gustafson for the equalizer. He's been getting really into these high tip things. This is like a new new era for TJ Oshie. Less hand, I mean, this is, I say less hands, but you have to have incredible hands and hand-eye coordination to, to pull these plays off. They're incredibly hard. I mean, they look beautiful, but just to get the stick at the right angle with the right uh, firmness uh, and judging the speed of the puck, I mean, all of that within a split second is... Um, it, elite and that's why these guys play at this level 
After the Caps tied it up, they still controlled and pushed pace, but they were un- unable to convert. I'm really glad that the Caps smelled blood in the water and didn't turtle. You know, the Barry Trotz years, we would see that. We would see the Caps get up by one and then try to just win a game of attrition. They would turtle too early. Sometimes, you know, early in the second, they'd start turtling. And it came back to bite him in the ass, and, you know, the Caps are no strangers to blowing leads. So, glad to see that they, they kept the pressure on um, and forced OT. Kemper, who was great all night in OT, had to stop a breakaway by Jean-Gabriel Pajot, who was uh, kind of looking for help, but uh, didn't get it. You know, must have maybe lost a few brain cells, I guess, with that deprived oxygen brain that he had after to, after that OV hit. And in the dying seconds, Oji, Oshi uh, pushed a incredible through pass to Orlov on, an, on a switch up, basically. Uh trying to switch up their man, kind of crossing over uh, each other high on the blue line. And Orlov, just an incredible deke. Forehand, backhand, forehand. Barry ends the game in OT in the dying seconds of it. Uh, Really just a solid. And, I mean, that's on Sorokin, their their number one attendee and and future Vesna candidate, I would say. Love to see it from the defense defenseman too. Always good to see the defenseman pull out the hands. Um, great play overall. Incredible game to gut check. And obviously, I would have loved to see the Washington Capitals actually just come out and dominate, win in, um, win in regulation. But honestly, the OT point does help the Islanders and did help the Islanders retain that playoff spot, that last wild card spot uh, over the Penguins. So you know. Not a total loss, even though it was a three game or a three point sweet or a swing in the Caps' favor. <clears throat> um, so incredible comeback game. That's uh, for an answer. Love it. Kemper kept us in the game. Some really good saves, game saving, game saving saves. Amazing to see the backing line link up with Wilson for the St. Thomas goal. Uh, they had us in the first half. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. Love the Caps being able to turn it on mid-game, though, for the win. That's probably not a recipe for success in the playoffs. But as of right now, when we need the points, we'll take them however we can get them. Unfortunately, in the first, a big hit on Dowd hobbled him. And that's a tough hit to take in between the legs there. A big hard hit. He didn't play another shift. Looks like the center drama of who's going to sit has been solved at least temporarily. I'm not saying I'm happy about it because obviously we want Nick Dowd in the lineup. We want him to be healthy uh, as a person, but uh, kind of a uh, answers that question at least for this week. Uh, not really many updates on Doubter. He is uh, out on IR though, I believe. So it's going to be a few games at this point. Moving on, uh, game versus Minnesota at 7 p.m. It was a 4-2 loss. And honestly, this this is a tough one to swallow. Uh, Mantha was actually scratched and Dowd was out. In the first, the Caps come out full of piss and vinegar and start off scoring. Lindgren was in net. I think the first uh, period belonged to the Caps, who definitely deserved it. Seemed to have the upper hand and were dominant in shot totals. I mean, Caps were pushing pace, controlling pace of the game. This is the this is the game the Washington Capitals really want to play. Scoring 
um, intermittently, but also overall controlling the game. The play was a just a beauty give-and-go high on the blue line between Ovi and Feviari, and Marty absolutely sniped the finish, glove side or, or mid-height, mid far side. That's a really great shot from the lefty there. And it was a great finish during four-on-four play. Love to see the puck movement. Love to see Ovi draw the guy. The give-and-go is just a super pretty-looking play. And it's one of the, the one of the earliest plays, I think, that like when you're talking a two-man game, when you're talking about fundamentals of hockey, it's one of the, the first kind of fundamental plays that the that hockey coaches will, will teach you, right? That you'll learn in hockey. It's that's why they say, you know, because of the way hockey is and because of all of the traffic is going to the front of the net and going to the net. That's why they say, follow your shots, you know, shoot and, and go to the net or pass and go to the net. That's exactly what Faviari did. He passed to Ovi, went to the net. There was time and space and rifled it past uh, the goaltender there. And Minnesota, who is a guy named Gustafson, Mark Andre Fleury has been backing up. So, and and Gustafson's been been really good for the for the Wild so far. So, great stuff. Uh, the end of the first period ended with a good breakaway chance from Ovi that was denied. Uh, obviously, feeling good after this period for the Washington Capitals. Unfortunately, in the second, the wheels fell off. On the period, uh, on this period, but opened up with a screenshot from from the point from Spurgeon, and it was like the ugliest tumbling puck that was like a net-seeking missile short side on Chuck. It's a tough, tough bounce, uh, but you know at this point you're like, okay, well, hey, you know it's a screenplay up top, whatever, we'll get it back. Shortly after, and you know this is cause for hope. Shortly after the Caps answer with a beauty deflection on the high tip from Strom, it looks like the Washington Capitals are really trying to deploy that high tip. They're going to try to penetrate the middle. They try to penetrate the middle. When that doesn't work, they try to get one-touch high tip passes. Obviously, they have defensemen who can put the puck on on the tape for sure with speed and with power. Um, And they have guys with hands down low that are coming up just a little higher to get some heat off them and get their stick free for the high tip. Nice play by Strom. Then as the Caps are out shooting the Wild 18-8 by 10 shots, Brodine pumps one again from the right point, threw again a screen by Reeves, and again it goes short side. So really tough bounce for the Washington Capitals there. And then as the period ended, stop me if you've heard this before, but another right point shot, screen, etc. You know the story. This time it went in far side though. Uh, pretty tough. I believe that was Spurgeon again. Spurgeon had two goals on the on the blue line from the blue line this game, and I guess that's why he wears the C. In the third, it was all caps, but they just couldn't score. They're literally doing everything else, though. Literally everything else. Mojo had the best chance. Unfortunately, Gustafson uh, did like a little scorpion kick at the goal line to keep that out. That's next level timing and just sensing the puck uh and the presence of mind also to just like do a little scorpion kick get that thing out of there i thought it was in i was like yes that's it let's go tie it up love it unfortunately was not the case call was right on the ice and after review the caps and were and then um there is an empty netter so in the third 
the Caps did everything they could. Threw the kitchen sink at the net. Deployed a more high-tip, less-traffic area um, strategy in the offensive zone. They controlled play. They had jam. The Washington Capitals put together a very good game. And if you weren't given the final score, I think that you would say the Washington Capitals were going to win that game. Unfortunately, it was not the case. And that's hockey. It happens. I think the Wilds goaltending was the difference maker here. He didn't see, he saw a ton of shots and denied a lot of them, especially that crazy scorpion kick fucking save. Um, but overall, I really liked what the Washington Capitals were bringing to the table here. Just didn't get the bounces, or rather, the Wild did get the bounces. Uh, you know, hey, this is the first of two burn the tape uh, games this week. It's a moral victory. Move on to Arizona on the 19th, which was a 4 nothing blowout. You know, unfortunately, Arizona is in a lot of turmoil. They're not a very good team. Um, and that's just it. You know, they've got, they're playing a college arena, which honestly I was, in, I was interested to see not a lot of, not a lot of crowd shots, but the camera angles were legit, very close. You got a good view at the ice. Uh, and so the cameraman had to be really on his game as far as tracking the puck because he was so close. Uh, I, I liked watching the game. I thought that the ASU logo next to the Yotes one was pretty cool. You gotta be, you gotta be feeling fucking awesome, sharing a college. You know, if you're playing at ASU right now, sharing that that rink with uh, Arizona or with uh, the Yotes, an NHL pro team, um, uh, game game ice, so game sheet. That's awesome. Uh, in the first, the Washington Capitals only scored one, but it was a beauty one time deflection by Strom. You know, Dylan Strom does it all. Hashtag extend Strom. We need to extend this guy. I really do think I would love to see him as a as an ever present part of the Washington Capitals from here to honestly, uh, you know, he starts shit in the bed. Which for him, I don't think the tops in yet. I don't. I think that he's gonna have a. I don't. I think that Dylan Strom is gonna have a career season, and I don't think that's the top for him. He's got a ton of time. By the time he's thirty, he could continue to be that guy. You know, we could be looking at several years of Dylan Strom potting 70, 80, dare I say, one hundred points on this Washington Capitals squad. Uh, you know, I believe that Dylan Strom is a la TJ Oshie in the sense of looking for a resurgence his career. And Oshie was a little older when he came in, too. So you know, you look at you look at those two guys, similar skill sets, similar gameplay. I think Oshie's probably got a little bit better of hands, but Dylan Strom's a little bigger uh, and and uh, a little bit more creative on the offensive side of the puck. It seems can really gel well with a lot of the younger players on this team. Uh, which I know I say a lot of the younger players, and there's only really a few. So you know, that's the that's the that's my take on him. Into the second, though, Lars Eller scored, but then he didn't because of goaltender interference. I mean, he was pushed in, but whatever. Gostabir threw him into the net. I, what the fuck is goalie interference anyways? Who cares? Didn't matter, though, because Wilson Baxter Milano line cashed in on a great four-checking goal. This 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 line, this uh, this Wilson Baxter Milano line looks like one of the, the stalwart lines that Lavi settled on, and, and rightfully so. Uh, they look dangerous, so hashtag let Lavi cook. This, oh by the way, this this um, recap is is one hundred percent all about the hashtags. So 
Hashtag let Lavi cook. In the third, Arizona scored. Just kidding. It was reviewed and offsides. Then later, Kuznetsov shook the entire Arizona team and fed Strome backdoor for a layup. Two goals for Dylan Strome this night. Beauty play that just started with an amazing dish on the backhand from Kuznetsov on the rush. And then a shot from Mojo, a rebound that Kuzi gathered, and then just Kuzi undressed. Two defenders passed right through them against the grain and right tape to tape for Dylan Strome, who had an easy bury. Way to be there, Dylan, and incredible play by Kuznetsov. And I mean, this is an example of when Kuznetsov can take a game over. Uh, just super creative, uh, great skating ability. Love it. This is a, you know, really good uh, takeaway. I mean, I think that overall here is, is a great ego boost for the Washington Capitals. They needed this. A uh, couple big takeaways. You know, who said Dylan Strome couldn't succeed as a wing? If you think about it, that last Kuznetsov goal, he was on wing. He's been juggling positions mid-game, which has to be tough. But he was out there with Kuzi on the last goal. It's it's too early to tell, but Lavi's cooking something up. So it'll be interesting to see what goes down. Um, I think that the coaching staff here and Lavulette especially has shown that no line is safe from his mid-game tweaks. I appreciate that from a coach who has identified that things aren't working and they're not afraid to throw lines in the blender instead of just rolling or shortening the bench. Now, Lavi shortens the bench, don't get me wrong, but he'll get creative with his combinations he's putting out there. So, hey, you know, he's earning that paycheck. Let's just say that. This is Kemper's fifth shutout for league lead. That's by two as well. He leads the league in shutouts by two. Hell yeah, love to see that for him. Um, and again, that Milano backy Wilson line may be clutch, and I I would assume that's going to be a go to. I would think that that's probably going to be an ever ever present mix for the second line on uh, on most games cards as soon as we as soon as you start the game. Now, of course, like I said, lines in the blender happens pretty often. Who knows what the fucking lineup is night in and night out. Um, Really, Lavulette is not afraid to mix things up. And aside from the scratches, we really don't know how this is going to go. But I would think that this line is going to stay together for the for a large part of the the season, the rest of the season. You know, speaking though of Backstrom and Wilson, I was saying last Thursday that Wilson hasn't shaken off the rush yet, but both of these players look like they're catching up quick. Great news for the Caps. We knew it would happen. I would I. I wasn't saying in in that um, on the Thursday episode, you know, I obviously was like, hey, as of this far, Wilson hasn't shown much. But I think that as Caps fans and, and, you know, supporting Caps Nation, we can give him a little bit of extra time. Right. Uh, And honestly, it really hasn't been that long. It's been a handful of games and he's back on the score sheet. Same with Backstrom. So really good, positive signs. Encouraging to see that both players are contributing and are trying are finding their groove again. Um, I will say though, you know, Wilson's physical play is down a bit, probably from you know being on the shelf for a while, getting back into things. Uh, so I ex- also expect that to change as things come through. Wilson's going to start getting more involved physically, uh, he, but you know, hey, it's a knee injury; it's tough. You gotta, you gotta work those things into your game. You can't just go out first game and automatically do that. 
All right, so we're, I'm going to have to leave you on a fucking down note. On the 21st, we're at Vegas, and this is a 6-2 loss. Just, I'm not even going to go period to period on this one. Ovi was out for maintenance, as it was assumed, but then he was out day-to-day, or out this game at least, for a lower body injury. You know, this guy has dealt with so many nagging injuries throughout his career. He's played through a lot of them. It is disconcerting that he is out an actual game right now with what is actually classified as lower body injury rather than just kind of like maintenance. So dislike, dislike that a lot. That's not good. Um, But, you know, if, and I don't want to jinx it. So if the trend is how it has been for his entire career, I hope to see him back pretty soon. Um, I would hate to see him. You know what? I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to fucking say it. All right. So lower body injury, not a lot of data on that. Let's all keep you informed. Uh, look, the in this game, the boys just looked like shit. Play was bad all over the ice, all game. I mean, it was like the first period of the, of the New York Islanders game, but for 60 minutes. And it was all nights the entire game. The The Washington Capitals didn't have a chance. And they sh- they were, when they did have chances, they gave it, they coughed it up immediately to Vegas. It was just a total shit show. Vegas scored every way possible. Odd man, rush, settled, play, deflections, everything. I mean, it was just, it was trash. Kemper was rightly pulled in the second, not because of his performance, but because the Caps were just, just fucking dog right in front of him. Oshie had an incredible deflection goal. Uh, Again, that's that thing that we're talking about, the high tip. Uh, Very nice. Same with Mojo. Same exact play, just on the other side of the ice. Uh, Seems to be something that is, obviously, that is an incredibly tough play to stop. Uh, No goalie is going to catch that by anything other than luck in the skin of his teeth. Uh, And then... On top of that, it's incredibly hard to defend. When you're at the top of the circles, you know, you're not, you're, you're in a dangerous zone, but there's usually a lot of bodies to stop things. So if you can get that high tip, because it's not the angle in which where the puck is at. So all of the defense is really lining up to the puck and trying to mitigate as many chances on net from that angle. But when you cross planes, and I mean, some of these plays, you know, the actual vantage point and angle and starting area or starting starting positions to where the puck goes on net could be 10, 15, 20 feet to the left or right. Uh, throws a huge wrench in all of all, everything, really. So if you, it's, it's, you know, if you're going to shoot from the right side of the net, the shot actually comes in from the left. Really, really tough play for the goalie to see, stop, and it's almost impossible for defenses to to react to that. The one thing that you could do to counteract that is to play more of a tight man when the puck's on the point and really lock down those guys no matter where they are. Just whoever you're closest to, grab a stick and lift it. The Knights came into this game on a three-game slide, and of course, the Washington Capitals played whipping boy. Martinez and Cotter also got their first goals of the season. I mean, just just quintessential Washington Capitals. You're down bad, you know. The Washington Capitals are are a are a are a steady booty call for people who are down bad for the rest of the NHL. You know, you're down bad. Call the Caps. They'll get you back up. They'll make you feeling good. They'll give you that win. Real easy, effortless. <laughs> or at least it seems. Again, second game of the of second loss of the week. 
burn the tape. There's nothing to learn here except there's an absolute stinker of a game. And, and the fourth game in six days, the boys were clearly tired. It showed Ovi being out didn't help. Now, I don't think that he is like, you know, the linchpin to the team's success, but obviously he provides a ton of 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 jam both on the power play and just being the captain and being that vocal guy and the guy who leads by example so you can't say that the washington capitals were feeling him uh weren't feeling his his lack of presence there but at the same time there's no excuses for how poorly they played uh in this so they just need to move on and know that this is not acceptable and and go from there so the end of the week we are Two and two, 500, two points. Would have liked more. Um, Vegas is a good team, well coached. Uh, they looked good. And then the Minnesota loss was just kind of a, you know, palms up, what can you do? So two and two, solid week. I'd like to say that the next week that we have of three games is going to get better. But it's not. It's not. It's going to get worse, in fact. Uh the 24th, we're in Colorado for a 9 p.m. start. Colorado has been out of the playoffs looking in for large parts of the season. They're back in a wild card spot now. Uh, McKinnon's back. They've started to really right the ship here, uh, if you will, and are likely going. I mean, you can't count them out. We had Griffin Youngs on here. Caps fan covers the the Colorado Avalanche on the Talat Avs. It is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Said you really can't count them out, and I, I've got to agree. I mean, they're the defending Stanley Cup champion champions, and they had an incredibly stellar season last year. So there's no reason to think that they can't replicate that once they get healthy, and they're on their way uh, to that right now. In fact, they're I believe somewhat healthy. So it's going to be a tough game. Let's hope that the Washington Capitals can can come in prepared to Colorado at elevation. Two days later, though, the Washington Capitals are back at home against the Pittsburgh Penguins at 7 p.m. And then three days later, in Toronto, to play the Maple Loafs. My prediction is the Washington Capitals aren't going to win a game this this week. And that's bad news, really bad news. That could punch, you know, the way the Pittsburgh Penguins right now are playing, who just lost in overtime uh, to the New Jersey Devils. They are two points behind the Washington Capitals in this wild card spot. They've, you know, salvaged a bit of their season as of late. They didn't get pumped by the Devils, who, who I thought would, you know, pretty much hand that handle them so again that's another team you can't count out the east and the metro remain tight at the end of this week don't be surprised if the washington capitals are outside of a playoff spot looking in unfortunately it's fucking terrible to say but uh i'm gonna say it right now and hopefully my reverse karma works to get them a three and zero week that would be amazing but my prediction zero and three Washington Capitals are a bit of a struggle bus right now. Who knows what's going to happen with Dow Novi? Uh, it looks like the center conundrum is, has solved itself as long as Dowd's out of the lineup. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with Anthony Mantha? Who knows what Brian McClellan is cooking up as far as trades? But when they happen, I'll definitely let you know. Captain, this has been an hour long, so I'm going to cut it here. Thanks for tuning in to another incredible Monday episode of the official Caps Shirt Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And 
on Thursday, I'm not sure what we're going to do. I don't have anything lined up right now, but uh, I hope you tune in and see what we have in store for you. Until Thursday, Caps fans, Hockey Troll, signing off. Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Troll podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle at Caps Chirp on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on social and thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.